Good morning. Y'all, I've got to stop doing this to myself. This is now two years in a row that the Sunday after our youth lock-in, where I decided it was a good idea to lock myself in a church with 70 youth all night, and I have to get up here and stay awake and preach. <clears throat> I guess this was one last jokes on you moment from David before he left. Last week, we started the season of Lent. And for those of you that don't know, I love Lent. It's probably my favorite church season. Lent is a time that we're supposed to deal with the hard parts of faith. It's a time that we're supposed to be real and ask difficult questions. When David first emailed us this series for Lent, this I Am series that we're beginning today, I asked if this was a decision that had been made and was final or if he was looking for feedback. And he replied that it was final. And I believe my exact email back to him was very Corey-like and it was something along the lines of, okay, I don't like it, but sounds good. I didn't like it because at the time it sounded boring and I don't think that Lent should be boring. But as I started to read and to study, I actually became very excited about this series. I feel like it's right where I am, and it's right where we are. So I'm excited about this sermon today and this I Am Lent journey that we're going to be moving into these next few weeks. We were going to go in order, the chronological order of the I Am statements that Jesus said, but I had to be difficult. And after reading through them, I thought the one that we are going to read today even though it is one of the last ones that Jesus said was the most fitting for this season that we're entering into. So let me set the stage a bit. This I am statement is set in what is called Jesus's final discourse. Jesus is addressing his disciples as a whole about what is coming in the near future. He has just told them that one of them is going to betray him. He just told them that his best friend is going to deny him three times. And at the end of chapter 13, Jesus tells them that he is going somewhere else, somewhere where no one else can come yet. He just told his followers, the people who dropped everything for him, his best friends, his disciples, the people that he had done life with for so long that he was leaving and he was going someplace new. And then we enter our text for today. It comes from John 14, verses 1 through 7. Jesus says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may also be. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? 
Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The I am statement from Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, it's a very popular text. It's a text that many of you all, especially if you come from a more evangelical background, are probably very familiar with. And the truth is, this text has a lot of baggage with it. But what I want you all to do today is I want you all to be able to set that baggage aside and maybe hear this scripture in a new way, a way that speaks to us now. Because this text is oftentimes used as the sole doctrine that says you are either Christian and you are going to heaven, or you're not and you're not going to heaven. This is the text that people have used forever to draw borders and to build walls that say, I am us and you are them. And if that's your understanding, or if you have just thrown this text out because you don't know what to do with it, I'm going to ask that for the next 10 minutes, you try to set all of that aside and be open to hearing something new. Because I want to show you all the way I have always read this text. John was the last gospel that was written. It was written around the end of the first century. And at this time, the relationship between Christians and the state was not going well. Nero had set Rome on fire and had blamed it on the Christians. And Christians were becoming more and more persecuted. They were really beginning to wonder if their faith was even valid. They were in the minority and they were struggling to hold on to the ideals of their faith that they had. So that's the context of the world in which the book is being written. And in our story, we have friends being told some news that is shaking the foundation on which they stand. They are being told that their leader, their everything is leaving. They're nervous, they're confused, they're frustrated, they're angry, and they're not sure what to do. I can only picture their faces as Jesus made his announcement that he was going someplace else. And then enters into the story uh, Thomas, the Eeyore of the fourth gospel, the, the uh, disciple that will forever have an adjective in front of his name, Doubting Thomas, the realistic one, the logical one, the practical one. He looks at Jesus and asks a very practical, real question and just says, what? <laughs> what, what, what do you mean you're leaving? What, what, what do you mean we can't come there? We have given up everything for you. You remember that, right? We, we left our jobs for you. We haven't spoken to our family in years because of you. So I, I don't know what you're saying right now, but we can't come with you doesn't really seem like an option. And I just picture as the words start to settle with Thomas, his eyes welling up with tears and picking up the pace of his questioning, saying, well, how, how will we know what to do? How are we supposed to get to this place that you're referring to? 
How are we supposed to live? I don't understand. And I, after these last few weeks, I can't speak for all of you, but I know for me this scripture jumped out because I'm feeling a lot like Thomas. For those of you that don't know how I ended up at Middletown, I was sitting in my office at another church that I loved, doing a job that I loved, when the phone rang. I answered it, and the voice said, hey, Corey, David Emery, you're on speakerphone. I said, hey, 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 David. And with his general lack of tact, he just blurted out, I, I want to hire you. <laughs> said, um... Oh, okay, well, what am I going to be doing exactly? And he said, well, that's, that's the hang-up. I don't really have a job open, but I, I know that you're supposed to work here, and so we'll figure out the rest as we go. <laughs> Sounds like David, right? <laughs> well, after a few meetings with David and some very honest conversations with him, I left on a whim to come here because I believed in David and in his vision. And so a few weeks back, when he said he was leaving, I was sitting on that pew going through the same thought process that Thomas was going through. What, what do you mean? Is this a bad joke? I left things to be here because of you. I was filled with anger and with tears and confusion, and I couldn't fully wrap my mind around it. But then Jesus offers his response to Thomas and to me and to us in a moment of love for his friend, in a moment of pastoral care and concern. I picture Jesus reaching out his arm, laying his hand on Thomas's shoulder, and not beginning a conversation on religious pluralism like so many of us have believed but instead offering a final locker room pep talk to a scared and confused friend and says, brother, it's going to be okay. You know me. You know the way. You know the truth. You know the life. Just do all the things that we've already been doing, and it'll be all right you're going to be okay. It's the same message that John is trying to get across to the readers of his time, living through this time of persecution. John is simply saying, it's okay. You know that what you are doing is right. You know the path, even if it seems uncertain or difficult. Just keep doing what you're doing and keep living like Jesus. Throughout the book of John, Jesus stays the exact same. In John, Jesus is constantly reminding us that the future may seem uncertain. It may seem messy, but it is already here. It is right in front of us. Throughout the I am statements that Jesus makes, Jesus is saying, don't worry, I'm still right here. You need water? I am living water. You need bread? I am the bread of life. You need light? I am the light of the world. You need a future? I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. John is over and over again in these I am statements having Jesus say, you who, I'm right here. Jesus is making the future known. The constant move in John is to recognize our fears of the future and asking us to overcome them by abiding in the presence of Jesus right now. We all worry about what is to come. Maybe you worry about what is to come here in this moment of anxiety. Maybe your worry is about a relationship that seems to barely be hanging on and you don't know what your next step should be. Maybe the situation at your job has become a bit unclear lately and you're not sure what you're supposed to do going forward. Anytime the future seems in question, it can get scary. I remember the night before Luca's scheduled delivery, we went to bed knowing good and well that the next morning around 7 a.m. we were going to be parents. So we got into bed like it was any normal night, but instead of sleeping, we just laid there and stared at the ceiling. We didn't get a wink of sleep all night. Big mistake in hindsight. Because Jessica and I knew we were scared to death about what the future was getting ready to look like. When we don't know what is next, it is normal to be scared and be anxious. But I know that the Jesus that John is trying to get us to see is the same Jesus that walks up to you still today, that walks up to us still today and says, it's going to be okay. I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. Go ahead and go into the future and know that I never change. So what do we do in the meantime? What do we do as we walk the bridge from now to what's next? What do we do when we aren't quite sure what that next move should be? C.S. Lewis wrote, Christ draws people in to make them little Christs. And if they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. So in the meantime, we keep doing exactly what Jesus asks us to do. We wake up every morning and we live like little versions of Jesus. In every conversation, we live like Jesus. In every interaction, we treat people like Jesus would treat them. When I get asked about my goals or my future life plans, I never really know how to answer them because all I know is that I wake up each morning trying to be a little bit more like Christ. And Jesus offers us this moment of pastoral care and of healing because of what people in John's time already knew. Living like Jesus, living like little Christ, isn't always going to be easy. You're going to be asked to sit with people that others view as less than. You're going to be asked to care for people that you will get no personal gain from. You're going to be asked to welcome people that may cause others to look down on you. And most importantly, you're going to be asked to love people that may seem unlovable. 
Through this scripture, Jesus says, just live like me and you're doing it right. When you don't know what to do, just live like me. Earlier in the book of John, Martha, unlike Thomas, trusted the power of the resurrection in the future. And now Jesus is challenging us to trust the possibility of the present because Jesus is still in the present. Although we may have a new future ahead of us, Jesus is staying right here in the present with us. When we welcomed this refugee family this past week to a new home, Jesus is standing right in the middle of that and saying, I am the way. When we welcome new people to our community here that have had a bad experience with churches in the past, Jesus is standing right there and saying, I am the truth. When we serve around the church or in the community in the many ways that we ask you all to serve, Jesus is standing right there and saying, I am the life. You already know the way. I'm still right here. So in this new season, may we all be challenged to trust the possibility of the present. May we all be resettled in the goals to love God and to love others. May we all accept the challenge to be little versions of Christ each and every place we go. And may we find peace that Jesus still shows up, reaches out his arm, lays a hand on our shoulder and says, I am still right here.